Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome to the show where we've actually hit a new low. Well, the Jets have. The Jets shut out for the first time this season on Sunday by the Dolphins, 24 to nothing. Now 0-6, the only other time that ever happened. The infamous 1996 Rich Cotite team. Thanks for joining us. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and our producer, Marissa Morris. If you're joining us on YouTube, sorry for the delay. Connor's internet exploded this morning, but it is back up and running. Connor, how are you doing? Oh, you should have seen this scene in this goddamn apartment. Like, the best way is Bree's in the bedroom like she had a, a day yesterday. She's been, she had to work a bunch of days in a row. She's a nurse. I've said that before. So like yesterday was her first day off. She went home uh, to her family's house to watch the Eagles game while I got to watch this absolute disaster of a team. Um, and uh, as so like she went home, blah, blah, blah. She was sleeping in the bed. She's like, I just want to do nothing day. And when we go to start this podcast and I'm, I'm like, Marissa, like you look choppy. Like you look like you're in the fish tank, I think is the quote. So I'm like, said that. <laughs> yeah. And when I did this, when I did this, I did a hit last night with, with Bruce Beck over at, over at NBC. And like, he was kind of saying the same thing. Like you're, you're, you look choppy. Your Wi-Fi is weird. I'm like, my Wi-Fi can't be weird. Like, like I, we, we have like the highest high speed internet. I have it hardlined all over the house. I'm a tech geek. Like this is like high, like I, like. That's what gets me going is like impressive internet numbers. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I'm choppy. I was like, I'm, so I go and I ran the test last night and they seemed fine. So then you guys said it. I ran the test this morning and I would get like, normally I'm used to like 250, 300 meg of internet. I turn it on, I'm getting like 80 and my upload speed's like six and seven. I'm like, that's not right. I just have to restart router. Restart router, it got worse. So I, I, like, I'm throwing things everywhere. I'm logging back on asking you guys if it's okay. You're saying, no, it's not. You look worse. I'm throwing shit. I almost broke these headphones because they got chucked at the wall. I hear Bree from the bedroom saying, Jesus Christ, don't break the apartment. Like everything's, I, I don't know if the internet exploded or if I exploded because I was going mad. And I said this to Tim, like, I don't know if it's like the old Clark Griswold thing on uh, on Christmas vacation where he's trying to get the bulbs to work. And then finally he just like slams it together and someone somewhere else, like his wife just flipped a switch. That might have happened because all I did was like unplug it and plug it back in for the seventh time, disconnect the Ethernet cables and plug them back in or Cat5 cables, plug them back in. And then all of a sudden I go and I click my computer and all of my Internet speeds are back. Everything's back. All of it's back to normal. It's actually better than it was before. And I'm like, did that really just do it? And I log on here and and, the, and come back in. I was like, I think we might have gotten it right as we're about to postpone and cancel the podcast. And we pop back in here and Marissa goes, oh, actually, you look pretty good now. I was like, Jesus <laughs> And I have no idea what it did. Like, it wasn't like I was like, you know, techie, like, oh, well, I just need to just flip this around, blah, blah, blah. I have no idea what happened. They just randomly came back. I just, I, I hate tech. And hopefully, like, I'm still, I mean, it's all still fine. Like, am I still cl- crystal clear? Yeah, and... we're still on. <laughs> all right, good. Well, yeah, I just wanted to your sure. internet bounced back. The Jets have not bounced back. That's for sure. Um, if you are listening somewhere you can, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating as well on Apple or wherever you're listening. 
lot to get to on the show, Connor. Uh, why Adam Gase is still the head coach this morning. We'll talk about that. Why Steve McClendon is the luckiest man in the NFL. And we're going to check in on Trevor Lawrence as well. He was spectacular on Saturday. Hopefully, Jets, while you know, part of your routine as a Jets fan, I think, is, is listening to this podcast, watching at least some of the Jets game every Sunday, but making sure you watch Clemson on Saturday because that... That's the thing to look forward to. Let's start with Gase, though. He's still the head coach. Same story, right, Connor? It's according to, you know, Christopher Johnson and, and, the, and the, the front office of this team right now just believing that now is not the right time in their mind to make this move because of a lot of things that we've talked about, Sam Darn- Darnold's, um, you know, improvements and, and all these different things. To me, though, that may have made sense a couple of weeks ago, but at 0-6 being shut out, it makes less and less sense. I was pretty confident that Christopher Johnson or um, Adam Gase was not losing his job last night. Like that was yeah. the, the Jets weren't going to fire him Sunday on the flight home. Um, pretty confident that that it was not going to happen today either. Like like Monday they weren't going to they weren't going to let him go today on Monday. Pretty pretty confident in that. Um, I don't necessarily know what the rest holds. I, I don't know what next week holds if, if they lose to the Buffalo Bills. I don't know what Tuesday holds. I don't know what Wednesday holds. I, I don't – we, we've talked about it before, right? Like the Jets' opinion with Adam Gase and their stance on Adam Gase was that they did not want to make a change. They realized that, that Adam Gase is probably not going to be this team's head coach in 2021. They know they're going to make a change, but they have their reasons – why they don't believe a change at, at that moment or in this particular moment is warranted. And this was what we reported first back up back right after the game against the Broncos. And it was adding another variable to Sam Darnold's uh, development and uh, the developing of Sam Darnold and basically the Jets evaluation of him. It was adding another variable to that. Uh, it was the uh, quick trigger finger um belief and stereotype I guess that's around the Johnsons that that if you don't have success right away they fire you and and they didn't want to um embellish that or or I guess add validity to that by letting Adam Gase go because he didn't have success with a team that very few other coaches would have success with that that was a reason um and and that they didn't necessarily feel confident that firing Adam Gase and handing the offense over to Dowell Loggins or Jim Bob Cooter and then the head coaching job in the interim to Greg Williams, they didn't believe that that would make an actual difference because they don't have confidence in Jim Bob Cooter and, and Dow Loggins, and they didn't believe in, in Greg Williams and, and his own issues that he's had on defense. I mean, that that's kind of how this team felt after that loss to the Denver Broncos on Thursday night. They were willing to go and, and basically say, like, we want to ride Adam Gase the rest of the year. We have every plan to ride Adam Gase throughout the year unless we are forced to reevaluate those decisions. Um I get the sense that that reevaluation is happening. I, I get the sense that this season has gone so far off the rails and so far down that it's it's time for a change. I, I think that that's and that's that's what I wrote after the game. That's what I've tweeted. That's kind of what I've said is that I, it's it's to the point where a change is needed. It's to the point where a change is necessary. It's to the point where you cannot get worse than where the Jets are right now, and. I would be stunned if Adam Gase makes it the rest of this season, barring a complete and total turnaround. And I can tell you that there are people over there in one Jets drive who are starting to feel the same way and that their patience has run thin. And I don't know necessarily if it's going to be this week. I, I would say that his seat is as scolding hot as it's ever been. And the possibility that Adam Gase has let go is as high as it's ever been this week. 
I still don't necessarily know if the Jets are going to be willing to pull the trigger after he went 0 for 2 with Joe Flacco, a quarterback. I think you can still say, oh, things will get better with Sam Darnold. But I do think that there is still that chance that he's potentially let go this week. I don't know if it's necessarily likely or probable. I think it, it's the discussion is being had. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's fair to say that the discussion is being had on, on whether Gay should keep his job. Um, I will say that if the Buffalo Bills go out there and put a beating on the Jets, if Sam Darnold comes back, Denzel Mims comes back, which is going to happen this, this game against the Bills, if they come back and they, they get blown out by the Bills again uh, at MetLife Stadium, I think that's when it's going to be hard to, to bring him back, man, because there's just there's nothing in their corner anymore. There's nothing that... You can hang your hat on. I mean, we we can we can go down the list. I mean, the Jets' offense just got shut out, dude. Like they went zero for eleven on third downs. They didn't convert a third down until the fourth quarter. They got shut they out again. by the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah they, they got shut out by the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are a better team than the Jets are, but the Dolphins were also tanking last year. I mean, how is that possible? Like the Jets have been doing this shit since two thousand seventeen. How is it that the Dolphins, who decided last year to tank, are suddenly so much better than them? And and the offense can't score. They can't convert third downs. I mean, the the what the, I just you see it and it's it's maddening. Like I, I said this to you before we had you know Internet Gate twenty like Internet Gate three like a little bit ago that I feel like after watching that game I woke up today feeling hungover and I didn't have a sip of alcohol. Like I literally feel hungover having watched that team and it's just it's 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 abysmal. It's unwatchable. My the watching that game and having the the remote right in front of me, the clicker right in front of me. I don't know how I, like I deserve a medal for not changing the channel. Like it's just it's so it's so bad right now and it's it's to the point where like I understood and I got whether you agree with it or not I could see it from the Jets point of view on why they did not make a coaching change after that Bronco game especially after the Jets put up 20 plus points looked like they were getting better but since then it has gone so far downhill one week and another week and now they've got the Bills coming up and the Chiefs and the Patriots and the the Rams and the Seahawks and the Chargers in LA I mean it's real. Oh, and 16 is legitimately real, realistic. And at this point, when you have a team that is not competing through six weeks, when you have a team that has not kept a game even to one possession through six weeks, when you have a team that now has coaching staff, whether they try to try to um, throw water on the flames or not, when you have when you have a coaching staff that now the, the defensive coordinator feels it's okay to take passive aggressive shots at the head coach in his Friday press conference, which is remarkably inappropriate and remarkably whether it's accurate or not it's inappropriate it's it's unprofessional and when you're willing to do that like it's just when the coaches are turning on each other it's only a matter of time before the team's teammates turn on each other when teammates turn on each other that's when you get guys quit and there is no return when players start quitting on the coach and and at this point I just don't know I don't know how you keep them on the sideline I I just I don't know how I feel for Gase in that regard, but I just, I don't know how he is your head coach. Maybe I can see it if Sam's going to come back and Denzel's going to come back where you can keep him for, for that game against the Bills. I don't know how you keep him after that if you get blown out again, if this is more of the same again. A lot of things to unpack there. I think one thing is, like you mentioned, the Chiefs game, and the Bills is one thing, and you know, all signs point to it being a route. But when you think about what the spread will be for that Chiefs game currently with this Jets team, it's going to be like a college spread, right? I mean, you think of NFL spreads, even in the biggest worst case scenario, an NFL spread is like 13 points. Whereas you get these college spreads early in the season. It's like, oh, Ohio State favored by, you know, 
40 over so-and-so. I feel like that's what we're heading to. We're heading to like mm. a, a 20 and a half point spread, Chiefs and Jets. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be ugly. You, you mentioned the craziest uh, one I remember yeah. is um, what was the the Bills? Um, Bills Vikings had a spread last year that was like or two years ago. I remember watching the game. I was in Wildwood. Um, it was like a 17 point spread. Or something like That's that. I think it was something, and and then the Bills won. Like the Bills won outright. Like that money line would have paid out ridiculous. But I I think that that Jets Chiefs spread is literally going to be twenty points. But it just goes back, man. Like, tell me, like what? I I look at it and like I, again, like I said, the reasons why the Jets haven't made a change so far, they're out there. Like those I've reported them. Those are the reasons why. Agree with them, disagree with them. Those are the reasons why. But you look at this team in terms of the the. The product that was put on the field against the Miami Dolphins. And, and the Dolphins are an improving team. The Dolphins are a team that's getting better. You saw what the Dolphins did to the 49ers. And, and with Fitz, you never know if you're going to get, you know, the the elite level guy that looks like Joe Montana. You know what happens. Fitz has those games where he just goes off. But you look at what the Jets are doing. And there's, you know, I, I'll i put it this way. They, there is a talent issue on the roster, obviously. But... I watch this team and I don't know if they're losing games because they're untalented or if they're losing games because they're unprepared. And it's not one or the other. I think it's a mix of both because you look at the 49ers who won last night. They have 13 guys in the injured reserve. How many of their other starters are out or have missed weeks on end? That team is three and three and two of their losses were decided were decided by four and five points. That team is undermanned. That team doesn't have that much talent right now because of how banged up they are. But Kyle Shanahan is scheming and positioning, getting his guys to fight and grind and, and put forth an effort. I mean, they they almost, again, there's two games out there, four and five-point games. That's a one-touchdown swing. Like, they're, they're in these games even when they're losing when they really shouldn't be considering how banged up they are. I just don't see that from the Jets. You know, it's not just that they are a bad football team. It's not just that they are untalented. They take the field and... It's almost like they just, they're not interested in playing. Like they show up like, okay, we're going to get our asses kicked again. So let's just do that. And there's no fight. There's no like, let's be the upset. They they fall behind and it's just over. I mean, the defense was just as abysmal as the offense in the first half. I mean, Fitz just made him way up and down the field. Guys were running wide open. And when, when you're talking about a team that, it, 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 I, again, like, I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words, man. Because I, I think about all these things that, that and that's saying not. something, Connor. Seriously, <laughs> really, seriously. But like, I feel like what I feel like is that I, I, Gase has his scheme and he has his system, and he is so hell bent in that his scheme and his system is going to work, and that it can work, and that it can be successful. And he believes that because he had all of this success running that scheme and that system with Peyton, Demarius Thomas, and all those guys over in Denver. And what he doesn't realize is that. Peyton Manning isn't on this Jets team and Demarius Thomas isn't on this Jets team, but instead of like changing and adapting and, 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 and adjusting his scheme to make it work for the players that he has, he just continually ties to mash this square peg in the round hole adamant that it is going to eventually get through. And it's just not going to happen. It's just not happening. And, and it's the definition of madness to, to, to try to do this or insanity to try to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. And, I'm watching this, and I know Gase talks a good game, and he says things like, you know, oh, we're going to get Michael P. Ryan more heavily involved because we need the explosive plays. 
Then he's still out-touched by Frank Gore, almost 2-1. to one. You know, he goes out and he says, we're going to stretch the field. But he abandons that after one possession. You know, he goes and he says, we're going to adjust these players. Look, the Jets are an untalented team. They're not a very good team. The roster has issues, and then the injury bug took another bite. But these are still NFL players. They're still the best at what they do in some extent. Like, you can still scheme guys open. You can still find ways to, to put guys in positions to, to win games. Look at what Carson Wentz was working with with the Philadelphia Eagles against the Baltimore Ravens. He brought them back. They were within a two-point conversion to tie in that game. He was throwing to a tight end I've never heard of before, handing off to Boston Scott, and had receivers that literally I have never heard of before, aside from that one guy who had a big game last week that everyone tried to claim in fantasy football. Like, it is possible to scheme guys open. It is possible to look at a guy and say, okay, is he the best route runner? No. Is he the best? Nobody does this well. So I can find a way to get him to do that and use other guys to open up that route. Like that is possible, but it just never happens with the Jets. And it's not so much about like the fact they're losing games, because when you look at the roster, you can expect this team was going to lose games. They were going to be five, six, seven, when maybe if, if everything broke their way, eight games, that was never going to happen because we realized that this roster just wasn't as good and they weren't going to reach that potential, but they shouldn't be steamrolling towards 0-16. Like, you should be able to at least be competitive. You should at least be able to get guys to fight. And the Jets aren't just untalented, but they're uncompetitive. They're clearly unprepared when they take these games. And when you're throwing this out there, honestly, it's kind of disgraceful. Like, what you're seeing on Sunday is disgraceful. And the fact that this is an NFL team and Gase is the front man for it, it can't get worse than this. And when you literally say and can make that statement that it cannot get worse, a 24-0 shutout to the Miami Dolphins, losing on Thursday night to a third-string quarterback on a short week at home, it does not get worse than these two things. And when you don't, can't get any worse, the only place to go is up. So while the Jets do feel that they don't necessarily have better offensive options with Dowell or Jim Bob Cooter calling the plays, while the Jets don't necessarily feel that... Um, getting rid of Gase, will, or they feel that getting rid of Gase might stunt Sam Darnold's development anymore. While they're not necessarily overly confident in Greg Williams to rally the troops and, and kind of look at him a little bit as a guy who many people in that, on that roster don't take him seriously. Like, guys on the roster don't take him seriously. Guys on the coaching staff don't take him seriously. When they view him like that, they don't necessarily feel like, oh, maybe he'll give a spark. At this point, it literally cannot get worse. It literally cannot get worse than what it is right now. So if the Jets want to give Adam Gase one more shot, and I don't know if they will. Honestly, I've been trying to find out if that's confirmed and if it's definite and if he's definitely going to be the coach against the Bills. And I've kind of gotten like half answers and yes and no. Like I, I haven't been able to have somebody tell me definitively he's going to be the head coach yet. That was, again, when I was reaching out to people last night and talking to people last night, I haven't been able to get like a, a definitive answer and all that stuff as far as he's going to be the coach or he's not going to be the coach. I, I just think that, well, I can see them giving him one more against Buffalo at home. Sam Darnold's potentially coming back. Denzel Mims is going to make his debut. You'll have your full complement of weapons. The offensive line might be better with Becton getting back in there again. He's now still a week removed from the shoulder injury. I can see him potentially giving him that game. If they get blown out again, if they lose again, 31-10. If they lose again, you know, just, just another two or three possession loss where the offense looks like shit and the defense looks like shit. I just I don't know how you keep him again. I honestly believe the Gase is if Gase isn't let go on Tuesday, I do believe the Gase is coaching for his life on Sunday against the Bills, and it, because it, I you can't you it can't doesn't get worse than this. It does it doesn't get worse than this. In my mind, like 
coaching for his job on Sunday. Like if they suddenly look better against the Bills, it's not like that erases what we've seen over these last six weeks. Everything you just explained, like this team just not being prepared and not showing up and and not seeming to care and all of that stuff. Like one good performance at home against the Bills, like to me, so what? Like this guy is clearly still not the future of this franchise, even if they play well against the Bills. Maybe the Bills just play a terrible game and it's close. Like I just don't get it from that perspective. Like, and and I know the argument like, oh, you know, Sam need to keep his development. Do you? I mean, is, is Sam going to be the quarterback next year? It seems less and less likely that that's possible. You know what I mean? Like the, the further we go down this road, the more and more likely it is that all of these things don't matter. And it's just, you just got to move on. You just got to get this guy out of there. Um, shout out, by the way, to Ryan McCarthy on the chat, who uh, this isn't confirmed through Elias or anything, but according to him, biggest favorite in history, Denver, 28-point favorite versus Jacksonville in 2013. Um, he thinks that the Jets KC give that a run. We'll see. Um, obviously, might. this Bills game will factor into that for sure. But um, yeah, man, um, you know, you listen to the players after the game yesterday and it's kind of the the same old, same old Marcus May. You know, we can turn it around. Tomorrow's a new day. It's a new week. Like, no, not really. I mean, it's 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 a new day. It's a new week, Connor, but it's the same season and it's the same players. And it's right now it- the same coach. The, the most damning indictment on this season and where I kind of saw the fracture starting to come is when Greg Williams felt it was okay to throw that shot at Adam Gase on right. Friday. And you, look, what Greg said was accurate. I mean, the offense has not put the defense in a position to have success, whether it was – it doesn't excuse Greg Williams' pitiful defensive perform, pitiful defensive uh, game plans you know, these last few weeks. I mean, the Jets' defense has – has had their problems. The Jets' defense has been a problem. Greg Williams has not been good. The Jets' defense has been one of the worst in the NFL, undeniably, but the offense hasn't helped them. There's been no complimentary football. All those three and outs, all those, uh, you know, the defense does get a stop, and then the offense just doesn't do anything with it after. The failures in the red zone. I mean, all of those things, you know, there there's an emotional carryover on the sideline where you're like, all right, we're going to get back in this. Boom, three and out. Defense is like, we're back on the field again. Then they're hanging their heads, and then suddenly they start making mistakes. I mean, it is... It is warranted what Greg Williams said, but the fact that he f- there he is in an environment where he feels it was okay to literally go out there when your team is 0-5, your team's trying to rally together, your team is as coaches are trying to tell the players stick together, stick together, be together, be be a group, be a unit. You know when 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 you're trying to do all of those things, like as as a coaching staff to keep the team together, and then the defensive coordinator goes out there and throws. That shot, that passive aggressive, inappropriate, um, passive aggressive, inappropriate, uh, unprofessional shot at the head coach in a Friday press conference over Zoom, and then now is not going to have to knowing that he's not going to have to answer for it or say anything about it for an entire other week until next Friday when he talks again. Right. When that environment's there and he feels that's okay to do, it's like do, a hit and run. Seriously, and it's but like. What that does, and the players all, all play, you know, they said, oh, we didn't hear it. We don't know. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's bull. Like, I can yep. tell you that's complete and total bullshit. They know what was said. But when that, all that's doing now is now you're taking offense, defense. Now that is a thing now. There's no team. That's not a team environment. When Greg Williams says something like that, that erases team. There's no team anymore. There is the Jets offense and there is the Jets defense. And they're going against it. I mean, it's done. And Adam can say, oh, we don't have an issue. No, the guys in the locker room. No, 
There is now an issue. That is a thing. Offense, defense. They are two different teams. It's not the Jets. It's one and it's two, and they are going to battle it out against each other. It's only going to get worse from here on out, and, and it's 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 the fracturing of that. And then when that happens, then the players start turning on each other. When players start turning on each other, that's when you get a toxic locker room. When you get a toxic locker room, that's when you have players quit. And once you have players quit, that's it. There is no coming back from that. Once players tune the coaches out, once players quit, once players that's it. There's no coming back. And that's when we talk about rock bottom. The Jets haven't hit rock bottom yet. The Jets haven't hit rock bottom yet. The Jets aren't there. They still keep sinking lower, lower, lower. This is the closest I think they've come to literally being on rock bottom after what Greg Williams said and then the effort that went out there. Because the only thing keeping the Jets, you know, a stepping stool above rock bottom is because the players haven't totally quit on the coaches yet. They haven't put forth great effort. They've struggled. They've cashed in in games, but they haven't turned on each other and they haven't quit yet when they haven't started pointing fingers. Once that happens, it's done. And we are dangerously close to that happening. And Greg Williams expedited the process with that quote. And and it's just, you can't have it. And, and like I said, that's, I'll be honest with you. If I was Christopher Johnson and he makes the decision to let Adam Gase go, whether it's Tuesday, when, well, it's not going to be Wednesday, whether it's Tuesday, whether it's it's next week after they lose to the Bills, whenever it is. When he makes the decision to let Adam Gase go before the end of the season, I think you need to send Greg Williams with him. Because mm-hmm. I don't think this is something where you can fire Adam Gase and keep Greg Williams. I think it's going to have to be very similar to what the, the Cleveland Browns did, where they let go of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. I think what you need to do is you need to let go of Greg Williams, you need to let go of Adam Gase, and then you need to figure out how this coaching staff's going to work the rest of the way. And you can position guys here, there. Um, we'll see. I mean, heck, you could. Uh, Dan Campbell was the interim head coach. from. He went up from special teams. The guys liked how they motivated him. I mean, he was the interim head coach for the Dolphins a couple years ago. Maybe that means it is. Brant Boyer, defense, you you give Denard Wilson a shot to be the defensive coordinator. Offense, you either have Dow Loggins or Jim Bob Cooter. I don't know. Um, but I think that if you do let Adam go, you need to let Greg Williams go as well, especially after the remarks that he made uh, on Adam, because that's not the guy you want leading your team. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's, when you just, when you think it can't get worse, it does. All right. So if we were to dive into this game a little bit on the individual level, and we're, we'll get to uh, the draft prospects in a little bit as well, but um, he mentioned P. Ryan. Connor, seven carries, 27 yards, two catches, nine yards. Perryman comes back, four catches, 62 yards. A positive, I guess, if we had to throw one in there, Jameson Crowder, five straight games with at least seven receptions. That's actually a Jets franchise record. So 20 years from now, you'll think back on the 2020 New York Jets as for that record, maybe. Beyond <laughs> sure, <everybody's>. I will. <laughs> uh, I mean, First I guess the – I mean. Trying to think of who who the best performer for the Jets in this game is. Braden Mann had ten punts. I mean, Ty that Johnson. guy deserves a day off, right? Uh, Ty, Ty Johnson, Johnson went yeah. to Maryland and carried the ball well at least <laughs> oh, once. Oh but... God, here we go. <laughs> go ahead, Marissa, have your moment of fame. <laughs> I your mean, ripped off a thirty-yard run. But same. I mean, there's it's hard. What I'm what I'm getting to is that it's tough to even pick like little individual performances to kind of hang your hat on at this point. I just I, again, this kind of just goes back to, to, like I said, trying to mash a square peg into a round hole is that what the Jets say and what the Jets do are two very different things. It's that Gase talked all week about how P. Ryan was going to be so much more involved, right? Like he was saying over and over and over again, we're going to get him the ball because he's explosive. We're going to get him the ball. You know, it's going to Frank Gore is going to start. He's going to be the guy that, that starts this one. He's going to be the guy that gets the initial carries. He's going to be the first series guy. But then we're going to give the ball to P. Ryan because he's the guy 
who has the explosive plays. He's the guy who can take it 90 yards to the house. Frank Gore had 11 carries. Piran had seven. Frank Gore had four catches on four targets. Piran was throwing the ball three times. Like, it's it's just these things that are said are not the things that are done. You want to stretch the field. You want to get explosive. You want to go after it. You do that on the first three, two, two of the first three plays of the game where you take two, two, uh, two shots to, to Perryman. The one should have been a touchdown if, if Perryman didn't stop running. But then it's like you just totally abandon it. You're going out there in a, a two-minute drive where you need to get down the field. In the fourth quarter, you need points. In the third quarter, you need points. Passing situations. You don't have P. Ryan, the guy who, who can run routes and, and did so much at Miami catching the ball. You don't have him running routes out there. You got Frank Gore. You're throwing Frank Gore the ball. You don't have Ty Johnson, the one guy who... We, that guy got in the game. I was like, holy crap, that dude is fast. He gets a 34-yard run. We don't see him again. It's just like the things that are said are not the things that are done. And that's where I'm like, it's just, it, it's, again, third and nine screen pass to Jamison Crowder. Third and two stretch play to your 40-year-old running back who, who, who behind a banged-up offensive line. Like, these things just, they make my head explode. And honestly, the one that the one person that I do feel legitimately bad for, and it's the thing that I've, I've said it on this podcast before, and to any Jet fan that comes up to me, I cannot stress it to you enough, is that the anger and your hate, you want to direct it at someone. Chris, Christopher Johnson's not the guy to direct it at. Like, Christopher Johnson's not the guy to, to, to throw the arrows at and to tar and feather in the middle of town. Like, he's not the one. Did he make a mistake in, in signing off on the Adam Gase hire. Yeah, it sure as hell looks like that. Did he make a mistake not letting Mike McCagney go at the same time as Todd Bowles? Yeah, it sure looks like that. But this guy is not one of those owners like Dan Snyder. Or not one of those owners like Dolan with the Knicks. Or one of those owners like the Wilpons with the Mets. Where he's out there and he's just, this is just a shiny object that he's batting around for a little bit and then given up on. Like I've said it before, like that's not who this guy is. He wants this team to win so desperately. When I tell you that guy was distraught after or is or is distraught after every single one of these games, the guy is. When I tell you he is watching this performance and is embarrassed, he is. He feels everything that you're feeling just as much if not more and he wants this team to be successful he wants them to win he is willing to do whatever it takes to get them to win he's going to give all of the control of this to joe douglas he realizes that he knows joe douglas knows more about football than he does he knows joe douglas knows how to build a team more than he does and he's going to let joe douglas pick the next coach and he's going to do it but i see so much of this like hate like oh it's it's the johnsons it's the johnsons christopher is not woody Christopher's not going to make the same mistakes Woody Johnson did. He is a first-time owner, basically. He is doing this for the first time. Did he make mistakes and hiccups? Yes, we've talked about it. You know, Just signing off and believing Mike McCagney got it right with Adam Gase is obviously one of them. Not letting Mike McCagney go earlier was one of them. Uh, some of the other things he's done, absolutely one of them. But it, it's the hate shouldn't be his. He's feeling this one. He's distraught. He's demoralized just as much as you guys are. And he so desperately wants this to turn around. He so desperately wants this team to be successful. I think you've got the right guy at owner to do it. And you've got the right guy at general manager to do it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Like, that's the thing. But watching it, knowing that, but then watching the performance on Sunday, that's when it gets hard. Because I just, like you said, Piran, like, the guys, the guys they just wanted to give him, like, 20-something touches. He touched the ball ten to- eight, nine times. 
He's the guy that can make the play. That's him. He's the one who can go 60, and you give it to him nine times. And this bullshit that he's out there because he dropped the ball, you were questioning his confidence? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, just, and if, if that's dude, he's the an case, NFL get him player. back out if he's, there. If he, checks out, if he checks out after one drop, cut his ass because he shouldn't be doing right. that. Like, that shouldn't be a damn thing for a running back. It shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't drop a pass and be like, shit, man, I'm over. That's like the old Leon commercials for, like, Budweiser where he takes himself off the field and, like, the coach goes, like, oh, what's wrong, Leon? Are you, like, hamstring, knee? He goes, no, coach, my psyche. Fans were fans were booing me, and I just I hurt my psyche. I need a few plays to my, I need a few t- few downs off. Like he's an NFL player. Like keep him out there. He should bounce back. Like that's it's an NFL player. That's what he should be. It's just oh, just like I said, dude, hangover. And I didn't drink yesterday. I've got a hangover from this team, and I just oh, and the fact you even brought up P Ryan is just like in my because it's like all week long. Like, all week long, I heard it. All week long, I heard P. Ryan's going to be more involved. P. Ryan's going to get the ball. We're really – no, Frank Gore's going to be there. He's going to be the mentor, but we're really going to feature. We're going to feature P. Ryan. That's going to be the featured back. Seven for 27. Seven for 27. And one of those catches, they had two catches for nine yards. The one for seven yards came with, like, the game decided with, like, a minute and a half left. Like, that's it. Where's the screen pass? Where's the – you love these goddamn screens. Where's the screen to P. Ryan? Where's the wheel route? Where's the skinny post in the middle? Where's trying to get him to shake off a linebacker? Where is this? It's gone. Again, it's this is the same damn offense that they ran in Denver. The same one, but Peyton's not on and Peyton's not a quarterback. Uh no Sean Marino's not at running back. Uh Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker aren't at receiver. Um, who is the slot? Wes? Wes Welker isn't in the slot. Like they just change it. It's not working. You're supposed to adapt. That's what's supposed to happen. And it's not. And that's why if they let him go, I'd sign off on it, man. I believe he should be let go. I believe that the Jets should have made a change on Monday. I do because I can't watch this anymore. I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I need therapy. I can't watch this. That's what, you know what, you know what, next goddamn podcast we do. I'm, I don't care what Bree says. I'm putting a couch in my office and I'm just going to lay back <laughs> like this. I'm laying back like this and I'm just going to talk to you and you're going to be like, Connor, tell me how you feel. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> How does that know, make Marissa. you feel, Connor? I don't know, Marissa. I can't do it. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting a couch in the back, and it's going to be therapy session. It's Can't Wait Podcast. It's going to be therapy session with Connor and Marissa and Tim. That's what's going to happen. Because I can't do this anymore. This is just, goddamn, man. Like, holy shit. You know, they have uh, they have all those you know drinks now, energy drinks that like cure your hangover or protein shakes that cure your hangover. Gonna, the sir, New York Jets give, yeah, give you give you a hangover the 2020 new york jets you mentioned joe douglas and we got a new treat during the game on cbs uh yesterday the joe douglas cam because they just kept going back to douglas up in the booth on his phone doing what he was doing and what we found out after the game connor is that he was actually busy not just watching this team but making a trade because steve mcclendon was dealt to the bucks right after this game mcclendon didn't even need to leave the state already down there in florida made the drive from miami up to tampa bay uh, McClendon, I, I mentioned it, I joked in the tease, the luckiest guy in the NFL because he's on his way out. He's going to a team that has has a chance this year in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Jets get some picks back, um, nothing earth-shattering. 2022 sixth-round pick, 2023 uh, seventh-round pick. No, they, but, gave hey, their, they gave their 20. Their I'm sorry, to, to trade, yeah. yeah, basically. So they just, yeah. <laughs> they just swap a little bit. So basically they save a little money and they help a guy out in Steve McClendon. Um, but it also, the, I guess the, the other thing this does is it makes the Jets a little worse, which makes that number one pick even even closer. You can almost feel it at this point. Hey, I, yeah, I have I mean, a question, think- too, with the Joe Douglas cam. Like, 
after how many times they had showed it, like, why doesn't he like move away from a camera shot? Like, why find him. oh, he's enjoying it. Come on. Why keep sitting? Yeah. I mean, the shots of his head like this and like, uh, what? Go hide somewhere. Like, I don't know if he realized it. Like, I don't know come if he on. realized. There's no PR person saying. Getting text they, messages. Joe, yeah. get the away. <laughs> yeah. Like, go hide behind a screen or like something else. You could still watch the game. Like, or maybe yeah. you just probably or, shouldn't watch the game. It's not yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes. But anyway, closer. And to, to bring it back to the draft, Connor, Falcons, I Giants. About, I thought we were going to go trade target. Like, who else could be next? Sure. Uh, hey, yeah. we're uh, we're building this rundown as we go. Go for it. Who's next? <laughs> Sorry, Who's I only say it because I tweeted that. I thought that's where we were going with this because I was I didn't get a chance. Because Connor doesn't was... look at the rundown before we start the show, so <laughs> fair. Why, so teammates, that's like fair. Guys, and then we'll man, get to the draft. To... So who who's next? I'm not the point guard here. You're just throwing it up. You're throwing alley oops up, and I'm like Steve Novak, just sitting at the corner shooting threes. Like I don't need to. You know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be over. I'm over there. I, you know where I'm going to be. Just throw it that way, and you know what's going to happen. I don't Steve need to. Novak. I don't need to know how we get down there. I don't need. To, oh yeah, man, the the belt, That's... the discount double check. Oh yeah, I love Steve Novak. That was fun as hell watching him play. Oh man, like one one year of, of good Knicks basketball I've seen in my lifetime. Um, but uh, well, yeah, like I. Yeah, so yeah, that's why I thought we were going. So I tweeted that out though, and I was like, ooh, ooh, "People are gonna get angry." Like the, uh, the, I said, the chat. I'll tell you where the it. chat wants to go next. Do you know Quinnen? where? Quinnen? No, Marcus May. Marcus May. Uh yeah. So the Jets did change his role. That he yeah. was not the down low safety anymore. They put him back at deep center fielder, and it's because they just don't believe he's a strong safety. They don't believe that he's that. And actually, when the Jets made the trade for Bradley McDougald. They decided that, okay, they did that for Bradley to play the Jamal Adams role. That Bradley was going to be near the line of scrimmage. Bradley was going to be, like, matching up with those guys. And Marcus was going to stay back deep. And then eventually they would kind of see what they had with Ashton, where they thought he had the athleticism to play the Jamal Adams role. Or he could be a free safety. Like, one of the two is what Ashton Davis could do. Um, That obviously changed. Judd. Marcus had a good opener against the uh, the Buffalo Bills, but then has kind of come way back down to earth and earth in the ensuing four games. They put him back at that deep center field spot last week and or against the um, the Dolphins, and he played well. Now, what I think the Jets do need to decide is is Marcus a part of this team's future? Is Marcus going to be a guy that the Jets bring back in 2021 because he is on the final year of his contract? If Joe Douglas looks at this and says, honestly. Ashton's the guy we believe is the free safety. Marcus is a good player, but he's not someone we want to pay seven, eight million dollars a year to. We're gonna move on. Then it's best to float him out there on the trade block because you can probably get a third form. You can probably get a fourth form. Some some team that's on the cusp will view him as that center fielder to take away the big play, and you might be able to get a four, three or four form. That's a trade I would absolutely look on because you can look at him and say, is he a guy that is going to be a part of this team in 2021? If not, you should trade him out. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Jenkins is another one. He's a guy who is on the last year of his contract, one year deal. Are you going to bring Jordan Jenkins back? You know, he's a guy that, yeah, he had the, the, the last two seasons. He was kind of around the quarterback this year. He's come way back down to earth. I mean, he's kind of gotten back to just that run defender type guy. Um, he obviously didn't have much of a market as a free agent. So I don't know what his, I don't think his trade market's going to be all that robust, but he is another guy where if you look at him and say, he is not somebody that is going to be on our team in 2021, Trade him for a pick. Get a pick back. Help expedite this rebuild. Um, the big name that I think a lot of people want to talk about is Quinnen Williams. Now, what I can say is that leading into this game against the Dolphins, there were no teams that called the Jets with any type of an offer. 
There were teams that called the Jets to check in on players. Is this guy available? Is that guy? No one made an offer for Quinn and Williams that got to the point where Joe Douglas was like, that's pretty juicy. And then goes to Adam Gase, then goes to Greg Williams and says like, this is what's going to happen like that. There were no trade offers made for Quinn and Williams leading into this week. Um, the Jets still, as we talk about, you know, they want to end this season with a concrete evaluation of, of Sam Darnold. In that same light, they want the concrete evaluation of Quinn and Williams. They want that. They want the concrete evaluation of Quinn and Williams as well. They don't necessarily know what they have with him yet either. If a team came in and said, we'll give you a two for Quinnen, uh, Jets aren't going to get a one. But if the team came in and said, we'll give you a two, I think that's a deal the Jets have to do. If a team came, came in and said, we'll give you a three and five, I think that's a deal that that the Jets need to have a discussion. The Jets need to that's that's something where you you start having a discussion and and you go to what did Joe what kind of a grade did Joe Douglas have on Quinn Quinn Williams coming out? Uh, what do the Jets believe this defense looks like with or without Quinn? I mean that's that's something where I think you need to have that discussion. As far as handicapping trades, I don't think Quinn Williams is a guy who's likely to go. I don't think that's anything that's going to be realistic because I don't think the Jets are going to get an offer they really like. It's not going to be a Jamal Adams blow me away type deal, but it would have to be something really notable for them to move Quinn in. Um, but Jordan, I think it's possible if you don't think he's coming back. Uh, Marcus May, very possible if you don't think he's coming back. The one that I would say I would not trade at all, you know, he's on a one-year deal, is Brian Poole. I think that's a guy that that the Jets should absolutely extend and should absolutely bring back in because I think he's a really good nickel corner. He's not going to break the bank on you. Having a really good year, I think he's somebody that you should definitely bring back next season. Um, but Marcus May, if the right offer is there, deal him and make Ashton Davis your starter nailed. Jordan Jenkins, if the right offer is there, Trade them, get them out there, just roll with Bryce Huff the rest of the season and and uh, bash them on the other side. I mean, those are the two guys that I'd absolutely watch more than uh, more than others. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and we'll keep monitoring that. And maybe this becomes something regular on the show where it's just checking in on we check in on the draft, we check in on the uh, the trade scenarios, all that stuff. Um, the I was gonna say earlier. The Falcons, Giants both get wins. That leaves the Jets the only winless team. And the Broncos also won. They were a one-win team. They get their second win. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, before halftime on Saturday. Now, granted, Georgia Tech is like a, maybe probably the worst team in the ACC. And the ACC is the you know not the best of the Power Five conferences in college football. Uh, but 391 yards and five touchdowns in the first half against Georgia Tech. He ended up throwing for 404 because he basically sat the entire second half. Uh, he did throw his first interception of the season. His first interception since October 19th of 2019. He was just shy of the ACC record for that. I mean, the one play that stood out to me, Connor, I don't know if, how much of that game you got to see. They were down near the goal line. Uh, it, was a, it was a play action, and then he rolled to the left. And then he hit his receiver in the back of the end zone on the dead run, threaded it through a couple defenders. It's just the polish for a guy that that he's that young still, you know, just the junior in college. Um, the footwork on that play, he just looks like an NFL starter right now. Yeah, I, I again, like I, I've told you guys before, I don't do the college evaluating. That's not my thing. I don't do the the I'm I'm gonna scout players. I don't. That's not my thing. I'll call people to do it for a living, and I'll ask them because they're gonna know ten times more um, than I ever will or I ever do. Um, I made some calls on Trevor Lawrence this past weekend. I called a couple pro personnel guys I know. I called another GM that I know, and I called a handful of scouts that I know. Um, one of those scouts actually works for the Indianapolis Colts, and that guy told me I was like, "Is this guy is the hype real?" Um, is he as good of a prospect as Andrew Luck was coming out of college? Because I figured somebody of the Colts might know 
that you know might might have an idea of, of what Andrew Luck was like coming out of college. Um, he said that when these grades are finalized, he's going to have a higher grade than Andrew Luck did coming out of Stanford. He's going to have a higher grade because he's as athletically gifted as Luck was, but he has more leadership qualities, is what he said. Which was, I guess, a question about Luck coming out was that you know is he going to be a true leader? Is he really going to be a leader and captivate guys at the NFL level? He said there's no question about that, and he's going to have another. Uh, like he's going to be that. He's going to be considered that highly. Um, called somebody a pro personnel guy about um, Trevor Lawrence. And again, is the hype real? He said, you know, he hasn't, they've got Russ. So there, there hasn't been uh Russ and, and some other guys. So there's, uh, there's no need for like have deep concrete evaluations of, of, um, of the, of Trevor Lawrence. But he said, this guy's going to be a stud. And he said, the one thing that really stands out about him is that, he is a guy that Trevor Lawrence talking about is a guy that, that has been in the spotlight since he's basically been 10 years old and there's been no hiccups. He's lived up to the hype every step of the way. Um, so it's, it's somebody that like that good, like, and that's what we talk about. Like, it's not necessarily about um, the, it's not necessarily about like Sam Darnold anymore. When you talk about Trevor Lawrence, it's about getting to the point here where you have a chance to draft a generational player and a guy that is as good as advertised and that everyone top to bottom believes is an absolute stud. And you're dealing with this crap right now with the jets. But if it ends with, with Trevor Lawrence on the other side, it's honestly all worth it because he's that good. He's that good. When you got people saying, you know, he's, he's as good as advertised when you've got people saying that he's going to receive a higher grade than Andrew Luck even did. I mean, you just, that's a generational player, man. And and the only thing, the only hiccup I've ever heard, and literally, and I called so many people about this guy, the only hiccup that I heard about Trevor Lawrence, the one bugaboo, the one red flag, is that when he runs with the ball, he tends to lower his shoulder and take hits, and that's going to lead to injuries in the NFL. It's the only thing they think he's got to work on. Only thing. Yeah, but he doesn't. And then he doesn't really play in a pro system. He doesn't right. really, he plays in more of a spread offense at Clemson. It's, more, it's not necessarily the pro system. Right, but you see more and more of that in the NFL, too. The stuff they do, you, you tend to see little glimpses of that in the NFL. It's certainly going to be interesting, um, and the Jets will now just have to sell Trevor Lawrence on, on coming out of school and actually going into the draft. But that's a story for another day. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Um, if you need a subscription to The Athletic or even have a friend who needs one, go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. You can sign up right now for just $1 a month. Follow us on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes for Connor. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. We will be back later this week. We'll look ahead to another game and we'll, if there's anything in between now and our regularly scheduled episode, which will probably be Thursday, Friday morning, as far as Adam Gase goes, we will be back with an emergency edition as well with the latest on that storyline. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again later.